0: for your presence. We thank you for your spirit, Father. I thank you that even on this day we have refused to get used to you, Father. Surprise us with your goodness, surprise us with your brilliance, surprise us with your holiness, Father. I thank you for opening everyone's eyes ears and mind today father let us be able to receive from you like never before father i give you my mouth i give you my mind i give you my plans father god destroy them all in favor of yours destroy them all in favor of yours in your holy name we pray in jesus name we pray amen 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 you may be seated Pastor Joe doesn't know J Flow is my rap name. (laughs) Pastor Dan gave it to me a couple years ago. I uh, went over to the hip hop service and rapped, believe it or not. And so he dubbed me J Flow. And I have walked in the J Flow anointing ever since. How are y'all doing today? Can I just tell you, I am way too excited. Oh my gosh. I just get so excited. About sharing with you the Word of God. I don't know about you, but I'm in love with the Word of God. Are you? I mean, it's the only book we have uh, that grows with you. You know, you can read it over and over and over and over and over and over, and you can see something new every day. You ever seen some stories that you thought you knew, and then you go back over them in a certain season of your life? And it's brand new. It's because we serve a God that makes all things new. God, thank you that he opens our eyes in that way. And I just get, I mean, I am just a full-on Bible nerd, geek, whatever you want to call it. I am unashamed to say it. And I hope you'll go with me today as we uh, dive into the word a bit. I do have a lot of scripture because I don't want you to ever think I'm just up here talking of my own volition, of my own knowledge you know, the world has enough opinion today, don't you think they have enough opinion? So I feel like I really want to make sure I'm speaking to you out of the word of God today. I am continuing in pastor's theme of being full. That's our theme for the year. How many of you are excited about being full? You want to be full. Yeah. I was telling the 7:30 that I remember the day that pastor announced that theme. And, uh, you know, he just asked us who wants to be full. And we all go, yes, full, And we get really excited. He says, tell your neighbor, be full. We're full. And, uh, and God was just saying to me, it ain't that easy. Okay. This is a good place for me to tell you that I love you with all my heart. And I promise that before you leave, you will be feeling good and encouraged. But in between now and then. (laughs) Do I have permission to just keep it a little real with you about some things? I think we have to go beyond wanting to just yell out that we want something. We have to say we're ready in this season to actually do what it takes to get the thing that we're yelling for. So I feel like my job here today, my job is always to redefine and push a little bit our understanding of certain words. I love words. I love vocabulary. And I love digging deeper into not only the word of God, but into our language to make sure we know what we're saying. You know, we get, especially as Christians, we, we got some lingo that we use. And I don't know if we always know what the lingo means, you know, that I'm blessed and highly favored. Uh, It's just kind of lingo that we use, but do we really know what it means to be favored? Do we know that there's levels of favor that you can have Elijah's favor, which was high favor? You know, there's high favor. When you know there's high favor, you stop asking for regular favor. Mm -hmm. But you got to know there's something called high favor first, you see. So I want to make sure that we know what all the levels are so we can ask to be elevated to every single one of them. I'm going to just tell you how, how I study, how I hear from God. I don't know if he talks to everybody the same way. I think he talks to us all a little bit differently in his style. Um, when he talks to me, he has a little bit of an attitude. I don't know if that's how it is with you. Um, when pastor announced that the theme was full, I was like, God, I love that theme. Full sounds good. How many of you ever prayed that prayer? Father, give me more of you. More, Father. Oh, you got. Give it to me. I'm ready. Give me more. You ever prayed that? Who feels that way? Yes. I prayed that prayer and I said, father, God, just give me more of you. He said, how about you give me more of you first? That's how he talks to me. Huh? I just want well, excuse me, father. What do you mean by that? You see, I think we're in a season now where we have to go beyond this relationship with God. That is one sided. Most of you would dump people. If they spend as little time with you as you do with God, most of us would kick to the curb people who ignored us like sometimes we ignore God. So, what if we started to treat Him how we would like others to treat us in our relationship? There's a lot we require. I know some of y'all are high maintenance. Thank you, sister. Speaking of sister, I got a little sister. She's beautiful and single. Shh. But, you know, if you come and sit on the front row, I mean. But she has a long list, y'all. Huh, guys? Don't line up yet till you hear the list. She got a long list. She high, She's high maintenance on that list. And sometimes we go, Isis, you might have to let go of 10 through 20, you know, and go for... One through ten. Our father God has a long list too. Now, it's simple on the the basic level. We can settle for Christianity 101. I'm saved. That's 101, y'all. If you want to be elevated in him, you have to graduate beyond I'm saved and I receive you as savior and I call you Lord. That's amazing. Isn't he gracious that that's, that's all we got to do for the most part, right? We're good. We're we're good. We'll get into heaven there. In this season, you got to get tired of saying I'm good. You have to get tired of that in this season and say, I'm not full yet. Father. This is a season where God is saying no more one-sided propositions before you can be full of him. You have to ask yourself, what are we full of right now? That's taking up the space where he needs to be. Is it okay if I just jump in? Can we just jump? You know, there's a system. Look, I'm a professional speaker outside of church. I know you're supposed to do certain things, supposed to warm you up for a little bit, then tell you a little joke. You know, then easier. But can I just, can we just, can we just go on in? Yes? We're already there now. I mean, even if you said no, I was still going to go anyway. We're going to just jump in. Uh, We have to get ready to accept the process of getting empty. I believe there is an art form to getting empty. So I'm talking to you about the art of getting empty. And you know who was the master? at getting empty and staying empty. Jesus Christ himself is the ultimate role model for how you get empty and stay empty so that you can truly be full. I think sometimes we don't have a full picture of who Jesus really was on earth. Most of us have kind of boxed him into one image. You know, my daughter will say that When she closes her eyes, she's four. And she'll say, Mommy, when I close my eyes, I see Jesus on the cross. That's all she sees. And I said, does it make you sad? And she says, no. She just sees that. And I love that she has that image. But I also want her to know who Jesus was before he got to the cross. I want her to know that he didn't stay on the cross. I want her to know who he is now in her heart, in her life. It's not OK for her to only think of him as on the cross. That has to expand, I think, with us too. Our image of who Jesus is has to expand. Jesus was hardcore. I think he was the original Jay Flo, I'll tell you the truth. He was hardcore. He was committed, He was dedicated, He was funny. He wasn't always very nice. Do we know that? Not at least the definition of what we describe nice. He didn't always say politically correct things. Jesus was my kind of man. So I want to give you a picture of him as a perfect model um, of how we get empty and stay empty. Proverbs four twenty five twenty seven. 27 want to go through and describe to you, kind of give you, not just show you who Jesus was, but I want to take lessons from him so that we can do some of the things that he did to get empty. In order to be full, this is the premise, in order to be full, you must first get empty. And emptying yourself is a process and it's an art form. Some people are really good at it. We want to learn to be masters of getting empty in this season. In Proverbs, it says, let your eyes look straight ahead fix your gaze directly before you give careful thought to the pads for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways do not turn to the right or to the left keep your foot from evil uh, this first line here it says let your eyes look straight ahead i was watching this episode of conan uh, one night you know y'all know the late night show conan he had ice cube y'all know who ice cube is right just making sure y'all you know you might Ice Cube is a rapper for those of you who don't know he's very 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 famous rapper you can google it when you get home so Ice Cube was a guest on the show uh, Conan O'Brien late night show Conan's a white guy like white irish looking guy redhead everything he takes uh, Conan decides he's going to go with Ice Cube back to his hood Compton so they take a cab and they take a car and they're going to ride through Compton anybody see this episode They go through Compton together. You got Ice Cube, one of his roadies in the car, and Conan O'Brien, in the front seat. Well, there's lots of stuff going on in the neighborhood. Lots of stuff going on in the neighborhood. Yep. And when you look to the right or the left, there's all sorts of stuff you're seeing. And Conan was looking around. And you know, when you go in the hood, you don't... (laughs) Ice Cube said to Conan, straight ahead, Conan. Straight ahead. (laughs) That thing has stuck with me for years because I just see, you know, can we, can we just, let's be honest. I love this church because there's so much diversity here. And because there's so much diversity, we can learn from all the different cultures in the room. We're different. Can we just be honest? We are not colorblind and we were not designed to be colorblind. I believe that God created each of the cultures, each of the ethnicities so that we could learn from them. He didn't want us to all be the same. I can tell you we are different people. You know, white people, y'all are from the explorer gene. That's why y'all got Columbus and all those guys. Y'all wake up wanting to know. You're curious. Black people, we're more survivalists. We don't get curious about it. A lot of the same stuff y'all are curious about. That's why in horror movies, you know, we don't last long. And we're not supposed to be out in the woods in the first place. You see what I'm saying? It's not what we do. You see what I'm saying? White people, that's why y'all get killed first, because y'all run to it. What's going on over here? We don't We don't. Can we just be real about it? Yes? It's a different it's a different it's a different existence. You know, we're not, it's just, we're focused. (laughs) We're focused on survival. I love those differences. I love that we can learn from each other um, in that way. And you'll see in this season, God's going to ask you to go beyond your cultural preferences. He's going to ask you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. He's going to ask you to do things that people who look like you don't do. And you're going to have to decide in this season, am I affiliate of my political party? Am I affiliate of my race? Am I an affiliate of my gender? Or am I a child of God? And you'll have to make that distinction over and over because this is a season of differentiation. And if you aren't careful, you will differentiate as the enemy has designed to differentiate, which is through division. And so in this season, you have to decide there's only two sides. Two sides. There's God's sides or the other, and you will have to choose to be on his side repeatedly in order to get empty in this season. You have to be ready to empty yourself of past influences, of affiliations, of associations. Um, It's not always going to be easy. It says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet. You know why he says that? Because once you start down a path, there's not a guarantee you're going to come back from it. There's not a guarantee. He says, do not turn to the right or the left. Everybody knows that. But have you ever researched what right means? Yep. I was bragging in the 730 service. My sister bought me an 1828 Noah Webster original dictionary. Oh, it's a prized possession. I will leave it to my kids in my will. It has the words, Noah was a Christian. Noah Webster was a Christian. And the words are all uh, put with their biblical roots where they are based in the Bible. It's amazing. And so the word right, if you look at the word right, that has to do with um, laws and conformity, right? Uh, Righteousness as well. But I think when he says do not look to the right, also on the right are your customs and your culture. Don't be distracted by your customs and your culture and the laws of the land on the right. On the left, the left is where darkness often resides. It's a sinister side of things. The left is also the weak side. Don't be distracted by your weaknesses and your flaws. And y'all, that's good. Come on. Right and the left. You're never going to see that the same. Do not look to the right or the left, but look straight ahead is what he says. Getting empty takes tremendous focus. Focus has to do with your gaze, your energy, your concentration, the effort that you point in one direction. First Corinthians 418, this is telling us where we need to be fixed in this season. It says, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary. Yeah. And what is unseen is eternal. This season, if you really want to be full, you're constantly going to find yourself making choices. Either or, either or, either or. Am I going to be focused on the right, the left, or straight ahead? Am I going to be setting my mind on the things of God or the things of this world? Where is your focus going to be? Jesus himself is the best example of how to get empty. Jesus was a focused man. Anybody notice that? And when I say man, I understand that he is God. I'm talking about his existence as a man when he walked the earth, just so you know. I'm not being blasphemous when I say that. Think about Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane right before he died, right before he went on the cross. Remember what he was doing there? He was praying. You know what he was doing for real? He was getting focused. You know what happened? Fear was starting to set in, remember? Fear was starting to set in. And Jesus needed to go away. Get in the garden and get focused. He had to take his eyes off of the temporary pain he was about to feel. Some of you start freaking out when you know you got to go to the doctor and get a shot. You worry about it from the moment you wake up to the time of the appointment. Oh, my gosh, I got to get this shot. Or, oh, my gosh, they got to draw blood. Jossie, my daughter, is going me. <laughs> That's her. It is her. Yeah. So imagine what Jesus must have felt knowing he was not getting a shot. He was literally going to be flayed alive. You imagine the agony that that must have brought on. So much so that he was uh, sweating blood, remember? So he was praying to be focused. He was getting also his feelings or his mind off of the hurt feelings of betrayal. At that point, he knew Judas had already ratted him out. He knew it. At that point, he knew his disciples were going to deny him or run away. You ever notice how we hear about all 12 of those guys until... Comes time for crucifixion. One or two of them are hanging around. Where were all those? Where was Matthew? Where were all those guys? They were gone. Jesus was getting focused in advance to know that he was going to have to walk this thing out by himself and God. You got to get focused when you know what kind of journey you're going on. You have to get focused for that. (laughs) He had to also get focused off of the annoyance of his disciples. You remember Peter, John, and James? They went with him to the garden. What did he ask them to do? I mean, just pray for a little bit. Just a little bit. Wasn't that awful? They couldn't do that. Uh-huh. But when, when Jesus tries to wake you up at 5 a.m., how many of you don't get up? Ah, it got quiet. Peter, John, and James, we don't know what they were thinking. Five o'clock comes. We're like, Jesus, really? How about 545? (laughs) Seven. Peter, John, and James lost focus. I'm always curious. What if Peter had been able to watch him pray? Would he not have denied Christ for three times? Would history have been changed in that way? When we lose focus, we have to remember, history may be depending on you keeping focus. You imagine we could be setting a whole different course of history when we lose focus or when we keep it. If you think about being vital in that way, it's going to help you out. You know, the world may literally be depending on me staying focused right now. Focus, the root word of focus, Latin, uh, is foco, which means fire. And if you think about like, I know they teach you in like, Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, how you can make fire. You, you get a magnifying lens. And if you hold it just right and let the sun focus through it, you got to wait till the focus point is tiny. It'll set on fire, whatever is underneath that lens. You ever seen that? Watch some videos of that. It's the most amazing thing. You put that lens there and you just get it just such. And then does not even take long. The sun Burns right through it and starts burning up whatever that just catches fire. If we focus, whatever we're pointed towards, we get the God himself, the sun behind us. Let him pierce through us. Whatever we are pointed on will catch fire. You know why our stuff doesn't catch fire? Because we don't stay in place long enough. Oh, You Google those videos. When you go to YouTube, watch them with that lens. They hold that lens steady. You don't see them going, huh, maybe it'll get here. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's there. Uh Uh-uh. They hold it focused. We go, hmm, maybe this is good. Uh, I had to wait too long for that. No, I don't like her. I'm not going to work with her. And then we wonder why stuff doesn't catch fire. Guess what else needs to catch fire? Not just your projects, your hopes, and your dreams, and all the things you've been praying for. The first thing that must catch fire is your relationship with God. God himself must catch fire, and it will only do so when you stay focused. <laughs> we get so busy sometimes, as women especially, uh, multi-talented, multitasking women. Uh, men too, but I know because I, I work with very talented women. We get burnt out and exhausted because we use all of our energy focused on everybody else's stuff. And then when it's time for our stuff to to move, it doesn't even light a flame, yeah? We get so busy helping other people's stuff catch fire, we get left with just smoldering stuff that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, Pastor Clark has been teaching this amazing uh, leadership series on the first Thursdays of every month. And he's got us reading this book about uh, staying hungry and being humble and hustling, yeah? And uh, I was thinking, you know, Jesus was focused. He didn't have any side hustles. He he had opportunity, though. He could have had a side hustle. I'm going to tell you what would have been a really good side hustle for Jesus. Y'all remember Luke? Luke was a doctor, yes? What if Luke had come and said, hey, Jesus? Come here, you know? Hey, Jesus, you know what? I'm a doctor. I got a whole medical practice back there in Galilee or whatever. You're a healer. I mean, two of us together, me and my practice, you and that stuff, man, we can have lines outside for days. Right, Jesus? Jesus could have said, well, you know, that sure does sound a lot better than the cross. Huh? Huh? It's easy to get distracted in the season. Thank God that Jesus was not a man of distraction. He didn't get distracted by a side hustle. You see, if you're not careful, people will see you glowing. They will see your gift and they will think of all sorts of ways for it to be put to use. Not even bad ways, great ways, great ways to serve. But in this season, you must be saying, God, where have you called me to be? When do you want me there? What do you want me to do when I get there? Who do you want me to partner with? Because I'm focused in this season. Focus is much easier when you know your end game. Jesus knew his end game. He probably knew it since at least 12 years old, right? He knew his end game. So he spent... From then, from uh, when he knew it until when he had to execute it, he spent it focused. Jesus was also fixated. So the first thing you've got to be to get empty in this season is you've got to be focused. Second thing you have to be is fixated. He was fixated on his end game. To fix something means to set or establish it so that it's not movable. How many of you want to have increased unshakability in God in this season? It's when you fix your attention on something or you settle an opinion, settle a resolution. You're going to have to decide once and for all. Do you believe what God says or do you not believe it? Period, point blank. Do you believe or not? And like the man said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. When you feel the shifting, when you don't feel secure, say, God, I'm shifting. Help me stand firm. Help me be steadfast because I believe what you say. You are not a God who lies in this season. Your promises do not come back void. I believe you. I am fixed on that. You know, Christians have been a little bit too, you know, shifty. We haven't been fixed in this season. It's easy to move us. And you have to decide, I don't want to be moved. Jesus was fixed because he knew exactly where he was headed. He wasn't tempted by shortcuts, detours, or alternate routes. Oh, gosh. He also wasn't tempted by tried and true paths. You know, people who have gone before you, when they see you uh, becoming elevated very quickly, they, they get worried. They're like, well, that's not how you're supposed to do it. You got to go through this route. I went to... Uh, <laughs> This is a true story. God, you're so amazing. You know, he will walk you through stuff right before you preach it so you have real-time manna to give people. I went yesterday to Ross. No, Marshalls. Or as Siri calls it, Marshalls. I went to Marshalls. And uh, <laughs> Siri makes me feel so sophisticated, yeah? So I went to Marshalls. And right when you walk in, there's the guy who has that vest on that, what do they call it? It's like the protect security they're, they're making sure you don't steal stuff. That's what his job is, right? So he's at the door and his job is to greet you whenever you come in. So as I come in, he's supposed to go, hello, welcome to Marshall's. And that's his job. Next to him is this disgruntled uh, salesperson. Floor, She works on the floor. She is talking his head off about who's done her wrong at work and how that person shouldn't have been promoted. I mean, I heard everything. Now I've my mom has a gene that she's passed on that's called extremely nosy. And so <laughs> I get it from her. But I walk in, you know, and I needed jewelry. They were standing, they were standing by shoes. Uh, but I could use a new pair of shoes, you know. So I thought I'd hover by the shoes for a little bit. Uh, when I came in, You know, I get to jury later. So, Because this girl was just, I mean, she was so wild about it. She was just, and she shouldn't even be here. And she just got here. And I don't know how she got promoted because she just got here last week. And Laura, Laura's been working her butt off doing A, B, and C, and she just got here. And I'm going, hmm, wonder why you haven't been promoted. (sighs) And poor dude is sitting there going, welcome to Marshalls. Welcome to Marshalls. Mm -hmm. Trying to listen. Here's what was so ironic. Him just standing over there with her put him in that category, you see? He was gonna need to separate himself to get from out of the cloud of what she was spreading. She was so fixated on what was happening to everybody else, she couldn't. She looked a mess. I finally got tired of hearing it. How many of you get tired of hearing it? I went to the other side of the store, couldn't hear it, but I could see it. Now, if I'm her manager, guess what? I've seen and heard everything I need to see and hear. I'm now making decisions for her future based on that one moment. She thinks she's in control at one, of her promotion and her elevation, and she is no longer because her actions in that moment have disqualified her. In this season, empty yourself of anything that might disqualify you from going to the next level. You cannot be screaming out, fall! And acting like that where people can disqualify you from where you're going. Then you go home and you get upset with God. How come you didn't promote me? You promised me promotion. Well, I didn't know you was going to act out like that. You know? (laughs) Jesus knew that God was going to take him to his final destination in a unique way. So he didn't need to go through all the same ropes everybody else went through. He, wasn't, he didn't need to be promoted like everybody else was being promoted. If you're not careful, people will start talking to you to try to tell you what your destiny is supposed to look like. They don't know. They don't know. Do not be swayed by that. Fixation is like an obsession. I believe Jesus was obsessed with his final goal. To be fixed is to become so firm that you resist what's called volatilization, which is when a substance is able to be evaporated in a thin air. We as Christians have to stop being so volatile. Everything knocks us over. Everything dissipates us. Everything makes us evaporate. We have to decide to be firm and solid in this season. You cannot be flighty, flaky, or fickle. You must be fixed. You know who's fixed? Stalkers are fixed. Huh? I'm just trying to drive it home for you. A stalker is fixed. There's a a line that I wrote in one of these raps that I have called Black Beethoven. There's a line and it says, um, Mondays in Moscow, Tuesdays in L.A., Wednesdays take my skills down to Brazils, check my calendar, dates with persistence. I'm so busy, my stalkers need personal assistance. Huh? J flow in the house. Yeah. Listen, your stalker is so persistent. They got to go out and hire somebody to keep tabs on you. Stalkers are persistent. They are obsessed. An obsession. if If a stalker has a love, a love obsession with you, when a stalker has that, they are actually a stranger to you or maybe just a casual acquaintance of the victim. Right. But the stalker develops a love obsession Or a fixation on another person they don't even have a prior relationship to. But it's a person that they want a relationship with. When the stalker fails to establish that relationship, he or she begins to harass the victim. Stalkers are persistent. You better call me stalker in this season. I said, God, I am stalking you. I'm getting obsessed with you, fixed on you. You're not going to be able to shake me loose in this season. I'm going to look up your phone number, find your Instagram account. Huh? You like you on Facebook and you better like me back. God, you better like me back. Some of us spend more time on our social media fixated on what everybody else is doing. Can I give you can I give you a clue? Half that stuff you see on Facebook. It's a little bit true, but it's only one side. I don't post a video of when I'm screaming at my kids. Do you? I post a video when my kids are reading the Bible. Look at my kids. Aren't they angels? I don't post. There's a reason I don't go live on Facebook at 6 a.m. Cause you don't want to see what I look like at 6 a.m. Live. Bags hadn't gone down yet at 6 a.m. Can I just keep it real with you? That's why I go live no earlier than noon. Got to get my act together before I go live. Yes? One of my uh, managers was saying, Jake, you need to do more live video. You know, we would would have so much more traction if you just go live all the time. And I'm like, sweetie, let me tell you how we do, (laughs) okay? We we don't just go live. We got to have our act together, right? I said, I can't go live with, I got to get my hair done first. Let me get my hair done. Then I set up all my live dates after I get my hair done. I'm just keeping it real with you. Most of us spend so much time fixating on what everybody else is doing, on what is happening for everybody else, that we miss what God is trying to do with us. Jesus was obsessed. He was fixated on his goal. He had a divine, a godly obsession. We We must develop that same obsession that says, I will not be deterred. I am unable to be shaken. I will not be knocked off course, distracted. I will be steadfast. A stalker, y'all, doesn't even have a relationship. He doesn't even know who he's stalking. We know God. We know who he is. Better yet, he knows us. He knows us inside and out. If there's anybody we should be stuck to, it should be him. It should be him. So you want to develop a fixation. Stalker is controlled by his most base uh, animal, natural urges and desires. a Craving to be close to someone, to be a part of their lives, to never be without them. Jesus was not controlled by natural hunger or natural craving or driven by emotion. I honestly, and I keep saying I need to take some time to do some serious research on it. I honestly don't think Jesus ate very often. Anybody ever notice that? At least they don't talk about it much. I don't think he spent at least a lot of his hours out of each day consuming natural food. Now, I have a theory to that, but I'll get to that in a minute. We know this uh, in John 4, 31 and 34. I can't remember if I gave that uh, to y'all or not. I'll just It is there. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. I remember this. And Jesus said to them, I have food to eat. Of which you do not know. My translation says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. See, Jesus had attitude that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? See, the world is not going to understand when you say, I'm good, I'm full. I don't need any of that. You know why? Because they need it. The world is designed or they have allowed themselves to fall into a place where they crave everything the world offers. We know we're not designed to crave the same things the world wants. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, to finish it. Y'all remember that fast we went on at the beginning of the year? Oh, do Jesus. I remember that fast. See, pastors got to give us a heads up. He didn't give us a heads up. We just got to church one Sunday. He was like, we're fasting. I was like, hold on, pastor. I hadn't done papas yet today or that's just me. Right. I wasn't ready for the fast. My husband and I were saying, did he tell us this was coming? He didn't tell us. So we had to be in it. You know, we just had to jump in it because we want to be obedient. We want to be under the covering of this house. Let me tell you something. If you want to be blessed, like the house is being blessed, get under the covering of the house. That's being blessed. Do what the house is doing. Even if you don't really understand it, I don't know what this fasting is about. Just do it. Just trust us. Just trust us. So we said, okay, we're fasting. And I decided, you know, I'm gonna be hardcore. And Pastor's so sweet and compassionate, understanding. He always says, Look, everybody can't fast food. You know, if you have a medical restriction or something. If you diabetes, you can diabetes, you got to worry about low blood sugar, migraines. He always says, be careful. Don't fast. If you, if you can't, pick something else. You can fast social media. You can fast uh, coffee. Fast TV. I say, uh-uh. I'm fasting food. Oh Well, if you fast food, you can fast meat. Or you can fast dairy. Or you can fast, no. I'm fasting all of it. I want to be old school. I mean, Jesus didn't fast no social media. Huh? I wanted to be hardcore. Man, I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. For however long it was, I decided I was going to fast, but I was going to keep it real. I was going to do uh, sun up to sundown. Y'all know that? So when you wake up in the morning, as soon as the sun comes up, well, actually, I didn't eat anything in the morning, and then I wasn't going to eat again until the sun went down. That was my plan. Problem was nobody told me about daylight savings time. When I tell you, (laughs) it was like the sun would never go down. I have not looked at the sun. I probably looked at the sun more in those three, four weeks of fasting that I have in my entire life. I can tell you everything you need to know about the sun. I would start at that sun about five o'clock. And my sister said, well, you know, official, (laughs) official sundown, according to my iPhone is 543 PM. And I was like, no, I'm going to not eat until it's pitch black. You know what time it gets pitch black on the other side of daylight saving time in Houston? (laughs) Nine o'clock at night. Now, I know some of you are, are. You're incredible. you're able to do full fast for multiple days, no food, no water, more power to you. I'm working up to that. I was going to do, you know, like 5 a.m. to 9 pm. Five a.m. to about noon, I was pretty good if I'm being honest because I don't really eat breakfast anyway. Round two o'clock, your stomach starts saying, "Are we doing this?" Really? Are you serious?" Right, and you, you can, I can do it. And at that point, you can call on willpower. I can do this. I'm a disciplined person. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yep. Two o'clock, I could talk myself into sticking with the fast. Round five o'clock, though. Five o'clock, your body starts to rebel. This is, hey, I think we're in trouble here. You haven't eaten all day. It starts growling. It starts kicking at you. Y'all, I had to start rebuking my stomach. Was walking around that house. In the name of Jesus. I rebuke you stomach. Get behind me stomach. You know it would listen. It would listen for a little bit. Then right before. The deadline. About 830. That hunger kicks up. We've already made it this far. Just go ahead and eat now. What's 30 minutes. Just go ahead and do it now. And your body starts convulsing and your lips are ashy and all that good. You know what I'm saying? Your tongue's dry. (laughs) All that stuff comes around 9 o'clock. And at that point, I would say, I have food of which you do not know. My food is to do the will of the Father and to finish his work. This is the Father who sent me. Do you know my stomach would shut its mouth? It would quiet down. It would stop grumbling because we have authority over these things. We have authority. It would listen. And in that moment, I understood this is how Jesus did that 40-day fast. I could never fathom in the natural, if he was natural like us, if he was man, how did he survive? I realize now Jesus was so empty of the world. That he was completely full of God. And that when he was in that wilderness, in that garden, he was feasting continually off of the presence and the spirit and the connection of God. So he did not actually feel hunger. You know, the definition of hunger is not to lack an appetite for food or it's not about wanting food. Because if you've ever been sick, you don't have an appetite for food. Even if you haven't eaten all day, you don't want to eat. Hunger is not about appetite. Hunger is defined as a pain, an uneasiness that comes in a healthy stomach simply because you have not had food for a long time. Doesn't matter if you want it or not, your stomach will tell you when it's hungry. Jesus was so full of God that I don't think he experienced a lot of that time the same kind of hunger pains. We know that after, of course, after those 40 days, who came to visit him? The devil himself. The enemy will always come right at your weakest point or at your greatest point of natural hunger, because he will try to get you to feed off of his stuff instead of continuing to feed on his word. Jesus had a knack for not getting swallowed up by the world. He had a knack for that. And in order to be empty, as he describes, and I want you to know when I say empty, I'm not talking about anything negative. Up until this point, I think Pastor uh, spoke last week. He was talking about how you may have to go through a season of emptiness, meaning darkness or trials, before you get to a season of fullness. Uh, A lot of times when we read that scripture, it says, I know how to be abased or I know how to be full. I believe that, especially in the King James Version, a lot of times we're needing to ask ourselves, can we be both at the same time? Can you be both full and both hungry? And what Jesus did was he would do that. When I say empty, I'm talking about the glorious state of not being occupied or preoccupied by anything that doesn't have any spiritual nutrition for you. By only being full of the word of God, of God himself. Jesus had a few habits that I want to run through that prevented him from being swallowed up by the world. If you ever notice this great homework assignment, read the New Testament, uh, Matthew through Acts. Acts. Five times in a row. Just go, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Do that over and over. You will begin. This picture of Jesus will begin to kind of rise out of the Bible for you. Talk about a well-rounded picture of who he was as he walked on the earth. It will blow your mind. One of the things he always did was he pulled away from people after he was around them for a while. Anybody notice that? He would be amongst them. He would heal. And then he'd be like, deuces. He'd peace out. Yeah? Yeah? He would leave. And I you know, was like, well, what was wrong? Was Jesus antisocial? Jesus knew that he needed to pull away to be connected, reconnected with the source itself. So when he was around people, you know what people do? And I know this from uh, being a performer and a speaker. People become enamored of you and your personality when you're on stage. So imagine Jesus, who not only could play the piano or speak well, he could heal people you know, the fans he probably had, you know, the stalkers he probably had. I know there were girls. I know there were girls. Come on now girl who wore her, you know, extra tight tunic that day or whatever. Come on now. You know, there was that girl and you know, she came and was like, Jesus, (laughs) come on. I need a little healing right here. It hurts right here. (laughs) I'm just being real with you. You know, the Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. That means the same thing, the same types of people that exist today existed back then. So, you know, they were in his face. It said that he had the same urges, desires, feelings as humans did. So he was a man. And these women were probably parading around him. Um, even, even ones with good intentions, just wanted to praise him. You know, when, when I'll speak at an engagement, people will come up afterwards and they will just say some of the most amazing things to you. And if you're not careful, you'll listen to them. Oh my God, you're the best I've ever heard. I've never felt this way before. I feel God. When you speak, you start listening to that. You'll get a big head. You walk differently. I carry God with me. Shoot. I mean, you won't, you will, if you're not careful. So when you hear that, you say, thank you. And you, you throw it back or you throw the glory up. When they say, I feel like you were here just for me. How did you know what I was dealing with? God. So immediately you deflect the attention so that they don't see you any differently. Because if you're not careful, people who have a void that's built in us by God to worship him, we will worship whatever is in front of us, is shiny, is cute, is talented. If we are not full of him, we will begin to replace the spot that is for him with people, with stuff. And Jesus said, I'm not going to stay around here where everybody's praising me all day and begging of me. Can you imagine one person got healed? You know they went home and got Nene and Poo Poo and Kiki and brought them all back, right? There's a man who's healing by the river. Come on. Sounds like my wedding. We uh. You remember that, mama, for the wedding? We made the mistake. We sent out these invitations and we let people write was uh, we're supposed to say, you're supposed to check yes or no, if you were coming. Now we had the names on there of who was invited. Y'all might've went through this, Tony, right? It says, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Johnson are invited. Check. Yes. Or no. Well, instead of checking yes or no, they wrote numbers in the yes spot. In other words, they would say, yes, six of us are coming. Saying so we should have gave an etiquette lesson before we sent those invitations out. We got to that reception. Oh, my gosh. At the time, I had I competed in the Miss America pageant. So I was like a big deal in my hometown. So everybody wanted to come to the Miss America girls wedding. We had people. I did not know who they were all coming to the reception just to be around you. Jesus had to pull away from that. And when he would pull away, it wasn't because he was antisocial. He knew if I'm going to continue to serve these hordes of people, thousands of people, I got to stay connected to the source himself. So he would pull away and it always said he would go up. You ever notice that he would go up on a mountain. You notice he would go up and he would reconnect with the source himself. I believe that's where he got instruction. I believe that's where the Holy Spirit told him to go next. Next. I think that's where he got all the details of his ministry when he pulled away. Imagine if he'd not pulled away. Remember, the people wanted him to be king. They might have talked him into being king. This is really a political takeover, Jesus. We got a plan. Y'all know those people who got a plan? Jesus would also look up before he prayed. You ever notice that? A lot of times he said, and he looked up, and then he said. Or he looked up and then he prayed. And after all those words, he looked up. Remember that? It's because you can't afford to be, he could not afford to be distracted by what was in front of him. Twelve it tells us not to be focused on what we can see. Jesus could see the need. There was the man who came to him who was deaf and, and dumb. He could not speak. He could not hear. And the guy came to him to be healed. And Jesus didn't just heal him. Those of you who pray for people, take a moment. Look up. Because when you pray out of yourself, you pray what you think the person needs. Yeah. You pray what you think they need. I was joking in the 730 that you know the way that God moves over me is He makes me cry. I don't cry a lot in the natural, so in the supernatural, that's just how He deals with me. I think sometimes trying to break that pride of I'm I'm not a girly girl, I don't cry, and He's like, I'm gonna show you. Yeah. So for me, he just makes me slobber and the snot comes and the tears comes and And I know people look at me and wonder, well, what's wrong? You know, let me tell you, there's nothing wrong. When you see me down here slobbering, leave me alone. I'm having a good time. Yes. But if you're not paying attention, (laughs) you're going to come over and start trying to rebuke something or cast something out of me. And I'm, you see, you got to take a minute and look up. And if you look up, God will say, leave her be. That's me and her. That's me and her doing our thing. So Jesus would take a second. He would look up. And I believe when he looked up. The Holy Spirit told him how to pray. God told him how to pray. What that means, finally, is that Jesus was fueled. He was focused, he was fixated, and he was fueled from the right source. In order to be fueled with the right source, you got to get empty of all the wrong sources. Self is never the right source, other people are never the right source. John uh, 5 19 through 21, you know, Jesus is telling us. Who fuels him? If you ever think he was operating on his own, you're wrong. Because he said, uh, Jesus, Jesus gave them this answer. Yes, verily, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. We are supposed to be speaking in that same way. People will ask me now, what's your five-year plan? What are you going to be doing? I don't know. God hadn't told me yet. I don't know. I don't know. When Jesus prayed, he was led and guided by the Holy Spirit. I believe that there were things Jesus might have preferred to do, but he deferred to God. You mean to tell me you think it was easy for a compassionate man like Jesus to be in the middle of praying and healing and have God say, we're done. Go to the next place. When there's still a line down three blocks, you know, Jesus In the natural wanted to stay, but God, can I finish? No, we have finished this work because I actually didn't put you here to be a healer. I put you here to reveal me. One of the benefits of me is healing. You see that Jesus could have gotten it twisted and thought my purpose is to heal. And then he would have stayed in one city too long and missed what he was supposed to get in the next city. Divine timing is important in this season. If you're serious about being where God wants you to be, you have to obey quickly. When you're trying to get to empty, you're going to now have to give up your preference in favor of deference. Deference to the father word. The word of God was Jesus's source. If you noticed, he let the word of God speak for him and he used the word to contradict the world when he was in that garden and Satan was trying to tempt him, you know, and he said, why don't you take these stones and turn them into bread? Jesus didn't just tell him off. Jesus quoted the word of God in all of his answers. He quoted the word of God. I don't care how great of a wordsmith you are. I don't care if you got a quick witty comeback for everybody. I dare you to start leading with the word of God. There is. there's no greater defense for who you are and for what you are doing than the word of God itself. Let the word of God defend you. You have to get empty of self in this season, especially. <laughs> the end of that passage in the garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus kept answering the devil with the word of God. Does anybody know what the devil did? He what? He left. He didn't kick up a storm. He didn't punch Jesus before he left. He simply, it says, the devil walked away in the end. That's why it says, resist the devil and he shall flee. Resist him. Jesus didn't have to, you know, pull out kung fu or any of that stuff. He just spoke with the word of God. The word of God on its own did the job. The devil walked away. We're supposed to be walking away. Breathing contradictions to the world systems. You should be looking like an alien right now. People should recognize that something is different about you. Jesus was like an alien. Nobody knew where he came from. He didn't look like the other preachers, the other teachers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He was of a higher order. We're supposed to be of a higher order. Our success should be attained differently. If someone's trying to talk you into being a part of a scheme or a scam and it makes money... You don't say, well, I'm doing it because God wants me to be blessed. No, if you believe God wants you to be blessed, let him bless you how he blesses you. He's Jehovah Jireh. So he's going to provide. You don't have to be a part of a scam and justify it. you're at work and somebody's talking to you like they shouldn't be talking to you. And you go, I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to walk in my authority. That's not your authority. He fights your battles for you. And if you do have to talk, he will give you the words to say. And your, his words will be wet better than any cut down you could ever come up with. Yes. Our behavior should be different. Our talk should sound different and our results should be different. Jesus was a master at getting empty. I only have one life application point and I didn't even bring it to put on the slide because it's easy. Go back and pay attention to Jesus. Jesus. Pay attention to how he walked, how he talked. I dare you to imitate it. The Bible even tells us to be imitators of God. You know why it tells us to use that word imitator? Because it, he knew it was going to be hard to just be God or be like God. You got to start by imitating. You know, your kids, they imitate you. My little daughter, Jossie, said to me the other day, she said, I was making a joke. And she said, Mom, I can't with you. I can't. And I said, you can't. I say that to her all the time, Jossie, I can't, I really cannot with you. And she was just repeating back what she'd heard. She was imitating and she did a pretty good job of imitating. She had the head motion and everything, you know, they watch and they learn. We're supposed to watch and learn. And the more you watch and learn, you become, you at least, you know, we always say fake it till you make it. Just pretend to be like him. Pretend to talk like him for a little bit and watch it take root. Watch it take hold. Can you bring me uh, those really quickly as I close? These are a bag of chips here. It's not because I'm hungry, but I I am a little bit. Speaking of if you are hungry, I want to invite you to fast until... Like 1 o'clock. Because in the next service I'm preaching a different message. If you weren't at the 730, I spoke a different message there. So make sure you get the recordings. But just go ahead and fast and stay with us and do one more service. But here's a bag of chips. Looks full, right? Yeah. Anybody ever bought one of these bags of chips when you're real hungry? So. Looks full. When you open it though. It's half empty. Now, it looked full on the shelf. Right? But then when you, you picked it up and you looked in there, it's like, I paid for the whole bag. But I only got half the bag. I wonder how many of us are walking around like this bag of chips. Ah, uh, we look full. We say all the right things. Huh? We say all the right little Christian euphemisms and phrases but if people were to open us up what would they really find inside emptiness means to be full of air that's a negative uh, connotation i want us to redefine empty as being full of god full of him that there is no empty space because he is All we need. People say, well, how much, how do you know you've given enough of yourself to God? Like I said, God asked me, you want more of me, but why don't you give me more of you first? You know that scripture we love in Luke? Press down. Oh, tell me it. Shaking together. Running over. Ah. You know, we always use that scripture, not just at our church, but at most churches in relation to offering. And we get so excited about it because we imagine Money (laughs) being shaken together. Come on, press down. Put a little more in there, right? Running over. We imagine uh, money. We imagine financial blessing. Do you know that in context, that scripture is after a passage where Jesus is talking about forgiveness. And he's saying, can you be full of forgiveness? Press down, shake it again. That doesn't get as many cheers, huh? But when you ask, you know, God, how much, how much of you? Can I have? And he says, well, how much can you give me? If I were to crush these chips, look how much more space is in there. In this season, you got to crush yourself down. Press yourself down and say, God, I still got more room. Come on, fill me with some more. And then he'll fill you up and you got to go back and say, hey, I'm crushing it again, Father. There's less of me now in this season. I've crushed myself some more. I got some more room. And he says, okay, well, now that you're ready, I'll continue to fall until you pour over. You say you want him to pour over into your lap. What about you pouring over into his first? So when you see that scripture again in Luke, when you see it's pressed down, say, God, press me down shake me together so that I can fill myself with you and have more room for you, but so that I can be rid of the things that are causing you not to have a place. God is a jealous God. He is not a God who shares space. So you have to make room for him so that he can be the main, the full thing that's inside of you. Amen.